the Irish Times business podcast in association with Irish Life. Eight of the top ten Irish companies choose to do business with us. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Hello and welcome to this Irish Times business podcast extra. This is Tuesday, September 20th. I'm Kieran Hancock and this is a bonus episode of the business podcast where we profile three more nominees from the EY Entrepreneur of the Year program. They will go forward to the awards night at the City West Hotel in late October where they'll be up in their various categories. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast for free on iTunes, and it's also available on our website, irishtimes.com forward slash podcast. This week, I'm joined by phone by James Leckie of Leckie, who's been nominated in the industry category. And in the international category, I'm joined by Jim McGee of Athlone Extrusions and Morris Healy of the Healy Group. And I've asked each of them to give us a one minute or so elevator speech just to tell us a little bit about themselves and their business. Hi, I'm James Leckie. I'm Chief Executive of uh, Leckie, a company I formed 35 years ago. I'm an engineer by trade, and um, uh, about 35 years ago I came across an opportunity running some charity marathons and so on to um, develop products for kids with special needs. The money I'd raised I gave in to uh, a centre in Belfast, and when I saw the opportunity I realised that everything I'd done prior to that sort of shipped me up to do this as a, as a career, and uh, it's been a great career since then. Um, I get to work with great people, and uh, both in the industry and in, in my company. Um, working with the therapists and the kids has been a pleasure. Um, we get the opportunity to try new things, develop products, and help kids at the same time. So it's been pretty amazing. The, the people I work with, um, they come from a broad range of backgrounds and skills. And we've developed a great company in, in Lisbon to uh, develop and supply products all over the world now. So um, I've got a great design team and a great management team there who work hard and are very focused on improving the quality of life of kids with special needs. Um, we supply these all around the world, and we do that through several distributors, and we're internationally recognized now as being one of the best in the world. Um, certainly our focus is making sure that the, the, the quality of life of the kids and that we're clinically and uh, technically focused on providing the best solutions for them. Good morning, Morris Healy here. I'm from the Healy Group. Um, the company was set up in 1985. It's a kind of an aggregated conglomerate. Uh, made up of many uh, legs, as I would call it. Um, the pr- primary focus is on food ingredients, which is headquarters in town in Dublin. Pharmaceuticals, which is based in Clonmel in Tipperary. Uh, chemicals, which is actually based out of in Holland. And the health and nutritionals, which are based out of Shanghai in China. Um, as I said, the company's been around for 35 years. Uh, we are uh, an innovation company, um, not necessarily manufacturing our own products, but primarily a distributor. Hi, I'm Jimmy McGee, uh, Chief Executive of a company called Athlone Extrusions, based in Athlone. Uh, We manufacture plastic for the automotive and sanitary wear primarily. We are hiring uh, 180 people there and we're exporting to 44 countries worldwide. It's a business I got into 44 years ago by accident, where I was invited in for two days and unfortunately I'm still there working with the, the company. Right, guys, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, Jimmy, I might start with you. Uh, this, you, you said you, you joined the company and uh, you've been there now 44 years. Um, and the company has been through various iterations, hasn't it? It's been acquired a couple of times and uh, and it was part of the Quinn Group uh, back in the day and, and now it's been um, taken over and is privately owned. 
Yeah, there's plenty of history to the company. The company was Italian-owned, which was set up in 1971, and uh, quite a progressive company at that time, Italian-owned. Uh, they expanded very rapidly in the very late 70s and early 80s and went into receivership in 1983. It appeared to be the end of my world because, uh, you know, I had then travelled quite a bit, done many jobs with the company and didn't know what to do at that stage. And uh, uh, a couple of guys said, you know, perhaps we should buy it. And, uh, you know, I had uh, three children and another one on the way at the time. And uh, they convinced me that I should mortgage the house and I should join them in... Uh, in the bio of the business um, receivership. We done that and uh, we uh, made, I can well remember, we made 79,000 profit in our first year, which seemed a fortune. Today it seems very little. We pay many of our staff more than that today. And then we went on to do two of us to do a management buyout of it in 1990, which we gave them 38 times, if memory serves me right, for what they bought at that time and raised seven and a half million to buy the business. We then looked at the business to grow uh, the export side of it into, it was primarily the UK and into mainland Europe and further afield, very successful at that, but uh, still at the house mortgaged and had uh, still no money. So we decided what we do at that stage and uh, flotation of the company. So we floated on the stock exchange, on the London and Irish stock exchange. I understand we're probably the only company in Ireland to come over receivership to do that. It was uh, quite successful for us, but things changed pretty rapidly, I suppose. If we look at we didn't succeed to make an acquisition, and despite we took three companies to due diligence in our first year, and uh, we didn't succeed to secure anything. And then we got approached by the Barlow Group, which was uh, primarily moving from radiators into plastics and were the darling of the market. And uh, they bought the company, which uh, I sometimes say they made an offer we couldn't refuse for it. But subsequently, they became too small and looked at a management buyout. But as you have said earlier, was bought, uh, beaten to the post by the Quinn Group. Yeah. And uh, uh, the Quinn Group bought the business at that time, and I subsequently bought the business back. from. So you worked for Sean Quinn? Yes, I worked for Sean Quinn for oh, three months. What was that like? Because he's uh, seen as, uh, you know, very entrepreneurial, obviously, in many ways. Uh, I know it didn't end well for him, but... Sure. I suppose, uh, you know, when you work for yourself, as I did for many years, it's very difficult to go back to work for some somebody else. So, yes, I've worked for Sean Quinn, I've worked for the Barlow Group, but uh, uh, experience, I must say, you know, that, that you can gain from some of those guys. Uh, we bought the business. Was it the wise? 2004, yeah, uh, July of 2004. Was it the smartest move? No. Didn't appear to be. Do I regret it? No, because uh, it wasn't long till we hit the downturn in it and we had high borrowings in the company. <coughs> And uh, that was a struggle to get through those times. But I can say, looking back at now, uh, last year was the most successful year ever in the history of the company, and uh, we're having an excellent year this year. But, of course, I should add to that to say that uh, this is not just me. This is the quality of people who yeah, we have sure. who work for us, and that's, that's important, theme with, important to with say most that. company owners, yeah. Um, Morris, uh, J- Jimmy's uh, journey, I suppose, not conventional uh, in terms of entrepreneurs, um, which brings me to the point of whether entrepreneurs are actually born or made. What do you think? Well, it's a mixture of both. There's always an intuitive kind of uh, belief in yourself when you're it, working for another company. You'd love to own your own company and wake up every morning with all the challenges of what that means. At the same time, in actual fact, like a lot of successful people have worked for other people and become very wealthy working for other people. So in my own case, I believe in actual fact, I had my mother's spirit and that drove me to owning my own company. 
Right, okay. Now, your company is diversified. I think I might have called it an old-fashioned conglomerate, which uh, might have uh, rolled you up the wrong way, perhaps. But uh, nonetheless, um, uh, it, you know, it is a conglomerate. Um, you're in different uh, industries. That isn't perhaps the, uh, the uh, structure that a lot of uh, companies have. Um, so just tell us a little bit about why, why you've put it together that way. It's difficult to actually imagine how it actually ended up like that. It was never intended, I can assure you. Uh, as it, it, We muddled and stumbled our way through it. Uh, over the years, from, since 1985, I've acquired other companies, some of them which were struggling or some of them were in receivership, a bit like Jimmy's story, and tried to rebuild them again. And in the course of that journey, I've bought and sold two companies very successfully, made a great deal of money, two chemical companies in the United Kingdom, with the help of my business partner and now great friend, Dr. John McKeown from County Clare. So that's part of what we did in the beginning. Then I wanted to access other markets, so then I put Healy into those other markets as a food ingredients company. And then with Camila, which is based in Clonmel, which is the pharmaceutical company, my then friend David Anson, and now my business partner and my friend, actually asked me to join the company and take over part of the equity uh, and, grew, and grew the company with him as well. More recently, after the sale of the two companies in the UK, particularly two chemical companies in the UK, and having a very large chunk of cash in the family, right, uh, my children actually kind of said it was important that we began to diversify more into the manufacturing side of, of food. And, and that's what we've done. So we've acquired a company in the baby food industry. We've acquired a company in, in Chicor in Dublin, which is making desserts for the airline industry. Uh, and we've also make our own cheese now and our own cheese and, uh, and analog. And we've even got invested in, in, in restaurants. Right. OK. James, uh, your company, I understand, exports about 98 percent of its products outside Northern Ireland. Um, many of those markets, I presume, are in the European Union. Uh, are you concerned about uh, the decision to exit the European Union, the Brexit decision that's been taken by UK voters? And what impact might it have on your business? It's really hard to see at the minute um, how it'll affect us on the ground. Yeah, we're, we're um, supported an awful lot by private health insurance and government-based funding. So it's yet to rule out what impact it will have. What, what we see immediately is the impact potentially on research and development projects. We have a number of projects that we were applying for, uh, and we've, we've seen other companies applying for the same Horizon 20 support, and they've now been excluded out of that. And the next, the next round is in January. So uh, we'll see how, how that fares before, you know, before I'll say anything more. But um, it definitely puts uncertainty into the air. Um, further afield, I mean, about uh, I'd say about ten, fifteen percent of our exports um, go to the European Union. The rest are in the USA, Asia, and I think there'll be a sort of a zero effect there. I'm currently sitting in Minneapolis, so um, I think the effect here is negligible. They're worried about uh, Hillary and and Trump at this point in time. I'm sure they are. Um, would there be any benefit from relocating uh, the the business south of the border? There certainly are advantages there from a tax point of view. It's yet to be seen what they're going to do in the north to respond to some of the challenges. Um, we enjoy working in the south. We, we, we like doing that. Um, and it's, there's, a, there's a, a potential um, benefit in being part of the European Union going forward. It's really unsure at the minute. Right. Jimmy, is Brexit an issue for you? Yeah, Brexit, uh, I suppose, is uh, for us, does 40% of our business going into the UK. Of course, uh, the uncertainty is there and uh, the change of about 12.5% in the rate of sterling, with them sort of margins being in it. But, uh, you know, we've been diversifying and going to other parts of the world. We're selling in 42 countries, as I said. Uh, for us, uh, it is in the short term. We've developed higher added value products. I'd much prefer it didn't happen. And uh, I didn't expect it would come out with the outturn. I expect the vote would be close and tight. But it has an effect for us. But, uh, you know, I think it's probably going to be around and the uncertainty is there for probably about uh, three to four years, I'd say. 
Morris, does it affect your business? Significantly, yes. Um, 60% of our business actually in the food sector is actually based into the United Kingdom, all originating in the European Union, either from Ireland uh, with our porridge and other products are actually from the European Union in the mainland Europe. So that has had a direct effect this year. Um, even before the Brexit vote was actually it went against staying in the European Union, we already felt because sterling was already beginning to weaken. And a subsequent fall, subsequent to the vote in actual has, has created quite a difficult year. The only way that Healy's actually survived through that and have survived this year through that in actual was with the support of our manufacturing partners. And that has been a great, great benefit to us. In the future, it's likely that we will take advantage of it. We will possibly place uh, buy companies, more companies in the United Kingdom. Right. Wow. Yes. And what kind of war chest do you have for that uh, kind of movement? Well, that's a question I don't think my wife would even ask me, so I'm not going to answer to you. <laughs> uh, but you can certainly. Uh, we have a significant amount of cash. We've accumulated cash reserves over the years. Um, but it, 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 it will be strategic in what we're intending to do. We need to diversify into areas that are complementary to what we're doing already rather than become that old-fashioned conglomerate with lots of, of eggs in the basket and not necessarily them all the same shape. Yeah, sure. I think your company is unique. I think I'm right in saying your company is unique uh, in the fact that you donate uh, a significant chunk of your profits to charity, isn't that right? Yeah, I've been involved in the philanthropic movement for quite a number of years and I've just literally stepped down as chairman of the Philanthropy Island. Um, my wife and I, Adelaide, we decided many years ago that we would make a decision ourselves. Now, I have to make put in a big rider here. This is not about not making profit. This is about a decision that the company could afford to give a proportion of its profits away to good causes that are affecting the business locations where my plants and my, 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 my premises are. That was the first decision. Then the more recent decision, in actual fact, we've decided to actually go as high as 20% of the total profits per year into the Healy Foundation and then to disperse those into local charities in the Tala region where we have our headquarters, in the Clonmel region and the Clonmel where we have our pharmaceutical company, in Manchester, in Leicester, in China, in Shanghai, in Holland, and in actual fact all to take an international dimension by actually getting involved in organizations like the Haven Foundation, which is based in Haiti, and I'm also working in Africa, in a number of areas in Africa. But it's a positive decision. My entire staff are involved in it. It's not about me. It's not about Adlet. It's about, as Jimmy would say, it's about the entire team working in the organization who collectively and jointly make the decisions where those funds are sent. At Irish Life, we can tell you that 49% of employees in Ireland don't think about tomorrow. They don't have a pension plan. We can help you help them. Because if you're involved in running your company's pension plan, we can administer it for you. With our member-specific investment solutions, online access for employers, trustees and members, and always-on smartphone apps. Just call one of our corporate team on 01704-1845. Visit irishlifecorporatebusiness.ie or contact your pension consultant to find out how we can help your company think of tomorrow. We know Irish Life. We are Irish Life. Irish Life Assurance PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. All information source for Irish Life September 2014. James, in your opinion, what makes a good leader? A good leader? Um, I think someone who's able to see into the future to some degree and understand what their customers' needs are. Um, from my point of view, it's a really easy thing to do. We, we really are focused on what the needs of the kids are. Um, the uh, the harder I work, the luckier I get, and I think that approach has uh, helped us sort of develop um, a leadership position within our field. Um, in regards to being leader within the company, again, clarity of focus and maintaining a consistent focus on what's right for your customers and the kids. Um, it's it's all about that in every area of the business, making sure everybody's committed and passionate about what they do. 
Jimmy, if there was one thing the government could do for entrepreneurs, what would it be? Uh, I suppose there's many things to do with the whole tax regime, maybe, that's in Ireland, of looking at somebody that puts their own money, as I said, you know, when you mortgage your house to it, you know, you're still taxed to the hilt on that. And I think, you know, giving a break to young people, I mean, looking at the, the banks, at the, this, if you want to start up or you want to do something on your own, I mean, and you're just setting out and you haven't a track record there, it's practically impossible to find the finance to stay there. Not every story is going to be a success, but it's worth looking at the ones that are enormous success. So I think there needs to be some break that's in there to allow people that, you know, there can be some failures in it and some fun that's there in it. And perhaps given the tax break to some ultimate heirs that's there, even if it's to take people who have emigrated abroad who had to go during the tougher times in the 2008 and 2009, that there's something there to take them back to get them to, to work on Ireland. Because, you know business in my opinion a business is all about people yeah Morris uh, what would you encourage the government to do for entrepreneurs it's exactly the same as Jimmy I mean recently we've launched the Ludgate Centre down in Skibbereen the first digital one gigabyte hub in the country and both myself and Sean O'Driscoll have actually put a seed fund behind that project with the intention of attracting young people not necessarily people straight out of college, but people with good ideas to, to go into the centre and use the facility to actually become part of it. The government now must step in, in with, with Enterprise Ireland and support that mechanism with grant aid. Ours is angel fund aid, right? It's not even aid, it's actually investment funding, right? And if they can come in with proper funding, with a, a little bit of soft capital, soft capital is key. And I think Jimmy is, is so valid by saying there must be an acceptance within government and within the agencies that failure is, no, is, 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 is an option. Yeah. James, as a business in Northern Ireland, you've got administrations in both Stormont and Westminster, I suppose. Um, do you think is, is I mean, what, you know, what would you encourage them to do to help entrepreneurs? And is there some way that perhaps the political system uh, could be streamlined for the benefit of entrepreneurs in the north? I think there's good support of SR now do a great job in Northern Ireland, just like um, Enterprise Ireland do in the South, in supporting small businesses and new startup businesses. Um, I think the concern I raised earlier on about the research and development projects and making sure that there's, there's some sort of fiscal support, should, there, should it not be forthcoming from Europe and the Brexit question, that, that that's there. I think that really would help a lot. Um, but there are, there are just as uh, like I said, there, there's soft money around, and I think that's a critical factor to make sure there's, there's oil in the gears and things moving forward. Okay, gentlemen, I'm going to finish up by just asking you uh, to maybe give uh, a piece, a key piece of advice uh, for budding entrepreneurs. Morris, my start with yourself. It came very clear to me when I was in Boston. Make sure you hire the best and make sure you pay them the best to keep them to stay. When they get to a point of making the investment that you have made profitable, give them part of the equity. James? Yeah, I go back to the focus one. I mean, I, I agree with Morris there. Employing, employing the best people is absolutely clear and making sure that they have the, the tools to do the job um, and are clear about where the journey is going. Jimmy? Yeah, I share the view of the both gentlemen in it. You know, surround yourself with good people and make sure you learn how to delegate because that can be sometimes, there's no point in having good people if you don't delegate to them. And as Morris has said, never be afraid to cut somebody in on the action and make sure that they... They, you know, if they if they do a good job for you, they can they can earn some money from this and the, the ability to do that. And uh, I think to me, that's I think there's some brilliant people in Ireland here, you know, and if you travel anywhere in the world and look at the quality that we have in Ireland here, it's probably one of the best places to start a business. 
Okay, Jim McGee, Morris Healy and James Leckie, good luck with your awards tonight and thank you for joining us. Uh, that's it from the Business Podcast Extra. My thanks to James Leckie, Jimmy McGee and Morris Healy. Uh, let me remind you that our normal podcast will be available tomorrow, Wednesday the 21st, when we'll be hoping to look at some recent reports on taxation, plans by RT and TV3 to collaborate on a channel for the diaspora and a €500 million Euro plan to rejuvenate Limerick. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care. 